I mean, summer solstice is just a few days away. And as much as I'd love to see a good war pop off, as your big cousin, I feel like maybe I want to give you a hand. Cousin? Aries. All the way from Providence, Rhode Island, welcome to the Percy Jackson Prophecy. It's a podcast dedicated to the Percy Jackson book series and show on Disney+. So let's hold fast and brave the storm. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. My name is Mary Larson. And my name is Reese as your co-host. That is right, buddy. And for those of you just tuning in, maybe this is your first time hanging on out with us here at the Percy Jackson Prophecy. We want to remind you that this is a spoiler-free podcast uh-huh. that is also co-hosted between a mom and a 10-year-old, right? Yes, so, I don't like spoilers. I like spoilers. Well, you know what I was thinking is after this season is done, after this television season is done, we are going to be delving into the book series and we can talk all sorts of spoilerific things for that time. Oh. But there's so many people who don't watch, who haven't um, read the books. And so we want to make sure that there is a spoiler-free podcast because there's a lot of mm-hmm. podcasts out there for people who have read the whole series. And there's not a lot out there for people who haven't. All of us mere mortals, like myself. And that's why we, of course, have the mere mortal theory of the week at the end of this podcast. This episode was so incredibly fun. We heard from loads of people that said this podcast was really where the action started to get rolling. We're in the back half of the season. So there's tons to talk about. All right, let's get into the show. Kicking things off, Reese, why don't you tell me the episode title for episode five of season one? It is called A God Buys Cheeseburgers. What? 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 God buys us cheeseburgers. You don't have that happen to you every single day. You, know, you never meet a god at a cheeseburger place. That's right. Well, in this episode, of course, the quest uh, deepens a bit as Percy, Annabeth, and Grover are tasked with a favor from a fearsome opponent. That opponent, of course, is Ares, just like we had in the beginning clip. And this is a point in the show where we get to have dad's details. Reese's dad, Blake, who I do a lot of podcasts with at maryandblakemedia.com. We cover a lot of different things, including Harry Potter. So if you're fan of all things Potter, check out the Potterverse. But Blake loves to get into the nitty gritty and the details and to teach us a bit about how these shows are made. So Blake, take it away. Thank you, my darling, for having me back on the podcast. And thank you to Reese too for also having me back. I love dad's details. This is one of my favorite parts of podcasting. Uh, As uh, Reese already told you, this episode was entitled A God Buys Us Cheeseburgers. And it was written once again by the showrunner and creator of the show, Rick, I mean, uh, Jonathan E. Steinberg, and also the author of the book series, Rick Riordan. So once again, Rick Riordan has been given credit for writing uh, this episode, which is great because it shows that the author is very in touch with what is happening. You're having some changes, uh, particularly as it comes to Hephaestus, uh, in this episode, he was apparently not in the books, although, I mean, in this scene, although I don't know, I haven't read the books, it's just things that I've read. 
Also, this episode was directed by Jet Wilkinson. She is actually a producer of this show, and she is a well-seasoned director. She has uh, participated in directed shows uh, like The Old Man, uh, Truth Be Told, The Chai, uh, also Warrior Nun on Netflix, uh, Wu-Tang, an American saga that was on Netflix. Also, she has participated in the Marvel Universe, Mary and Reese. She directed episodes of The Punisher, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, and Iron Fist. She also has worked with um, some other great shows like How to Get Away with Murder, as well as Madam Secretary on NBC. So, one of my favorite things about this episode, Mary... Is that the guy who plays Ares? Yep. He is not a seasoned actor. Hmm, do tell. His name is Adam Copeland. Now, I know you don't know that name. Very few people know that name. But most of you may know him by his, his stage name, Edge. He is a professional wrestler, just like The Rock or just like Dave Bautista in, in Guardians of the Galaxy. He, uh, part, he he was cast as Ares. He's a big guy, big boisterous guy, uh, and he, uh, it's just really cool that uh, a lot of these professional athletes, professional wrestlers, are getting into the are getting into Hollywood and getting into acting. And you can tell that he really cared about what he was doing, and it was just an interesting uh, little bit of casting that I thought fit the role uh, very well. And, and then there's also one little detail that I noticed, and, and I only noticed it because I ride motorcycles. I love motorcycles. I've been riding them since 2005. Uh, when Ares pulls up on the motorcycle and he's like, hey, guys, you guys want some help? You see his big leather jacket mm-hmm. and it's covering the tailpipes. Mm-hmm. And if that was happening in real life and that motorcycle had been actually been on. driving and on, it, that leather jacket would have been burnt to ashes but luckily as an immortal i doubt his clothes are penetrated by heat yeah, and flame i know that's something that i'm gonna i'm gonna go with and say okay maybe he's like super god clothing yes. fine okay but i'm just saying in real life on flames who's the god of clothing buddy who would be a god of fashion and clothing aphrodite is a goddess of beauty and fashion yeah so maybe aphrodite made him a really cool coat <laughs> I know. that it no that he wouldn't make it but he's a god of craftsmanship oh yeah so i, I would um, say is the god of weaving for clothing <gasps> i think she like well her. hey you know aphrodite that would make sense if she made that for <gasps> for aries for him as a gift yeah. a melt proof coat that wouldn't catch on fire no, and that would have to be athena actually- the goddess of weaving mm. and that actually also kind of goes into another thing that i want to say as well and and uh Getting into the amusement park, it was very dark. Uh, and this is one of those things that you kind of have to pay attention to as a director because you're trying to set a mood. Uh, but Mary, you might remember, this is something that we ran into in Game of Thrones in the in the later seasons. People complained that uh, you couldn't see what was happening. And if you're in just like your regular home with windows and whatever, and there's glare on the TV... I think a lot of viewers probably had a hard time what was being shown. Yes. Did you find that, Reese? Remember how we watched? We've watched the episode a few times, and one of the times we watched it towards the latter part of the day, and the sun glare made it next to impossible. And the only oh, we tried uncovering you know blankets, the windows, but it did not turn out very successful as we thought. We got tired. We were we were more in the dark than Annabeth and Percy were when we watched those beginning yep. parts of the episode or the middle parts. So that's something that the director of photography would be 
trying to point out it, it, the director of photography is the person that that's in charge of lighting and making sure that you know the scene is is colorized the way that it, it should be within the camera mm-hmm. uh, and they work in tandem with the director so i would love to hear your thoughts mary and your thoughts reese about why it was so dark and the, like was it is it is it a mistake or is it something that they were just they were purposely trying to do? I think it was something they were purposely trying to do. If they want to set the mood of scariness, and they'd have to set the scene dark, mm-hmm. and it's nighttime anyway. So, and then we meet the thrill of Ra, the thrill of love ride, the, mm-hmm. and it just got all a little more lighter. Mm-hmm. Had a little bit more light in there, but you're right. And then we get in and the magical hap and the magic happens and then this scene of Fess's life rolls <laughs> yeah. out. All right, all right. Hold on. We're still talking. <laughs> he cannot wait to I get know. into this episode. All right. Well, then I'll stop asking questions and I'll I'll let you guys get into it. Thank you very much again for having me and thank you Percy Jackson Prophecy listeners. It's time for the Trident Ratings. We rate each episode on a scale of one to five, one being the absolute worst, like being stuck in the dark in some amusement park. That is built. Yeah, and, and number five being able to eat unlimited cheeseburgers. Able of defeating God Ares. There you go, outwitting a god. I am giving this episode a whopping 4.9, near perfection. I loved this episode. You could really feel that things are starting to get rolling. Uh, they are moving continually through the country. We've got, we're meeting new gods. I'm, we're meeting Olympians. We're, it's a lot of exciting stuff going on right now. So 4.9. Reese, what would you rate this episode? Five. A five. This is a good one for you then. All right. So it's time for our GBGs. Our goods, our bads, and our greats. My good for this episode is when... It actually is the clip that we we played before when Ares was on his motorcycle and the trio were hiding behind the Jersey barrier, the concrete <laughs> barrier, so- and they just kept popping their heads up. <laughs> up. No, we don't need anything. Goodbye. Nope. Okay, good. Uh, so long. <laughs> then they, they'd lower their heads. And he said, I don't think you're okay. Oh, no, we're, we're sure. We're okay, sir. Thank you. Bye. And their little heads go back down. Right. And then he was like, are you sure? Because you're behind schedule. Yes. And once he said that, they realized, okay. Okay, this person knows what we're doing, but I just thought it was so comical seeing their little heads top up. Nothing to see here. Goodbye. <laughs> I, just, I loved it. The other thing that made me laugh um, out loud was you wouldn't get this, Reese, because I would. Uh, I don't know if you would. So when they go into the tunnel of love and we hear a song, uh, what, what is, is love? love? I'll, I'll put it on for me. Yeah. Don't no hurt me. me. No, no more. more. Let's see. And and what happens is Percy says, oh, I feel like I know this song. I feel like I've heard it in my orthodontist's office. And it just made me laugh because I bet his orthodontist is my age and probably did have that song playing. Uh, my bad. Why is Percy suddenly not poisoned anymore? You're bad about... you're. you're That's f- my bad. Because, it, it, listen, okay, once again, I haven't read the books. Natural water can heal him. Okay, but it still isn't super clear to me because I know Annabeth and Grover were splashing the guy, splash, splash, splash. 
And it has to be nat- naturally running water to heal him, as Annabeth said. Okay, well, you know, it needs to be a little bit more clear because he had power over the toilets, he had power over the fountain. So to me, water's water. And yes, Annabeth did say maybe it needs to be natural water, but it's not maybe clear the, enough. To maybe me. that poison was a little strong, the a little too maybe. strong for that kind of water. But all I'm telling you is it wasn't clear to me. So when Percy came out of the water and he's like, hey guys, how's it going? And he gets a hug. I'm sitting here saying, don't you still have a boo-boo? Aren't you still sick? What's going on? He got a boob. He got he got injury. It's still there, but he's not poisoned anymore. That's good. Yeah. No, that's I took that he's not poisoned anymore. Just I felt like it wasn't clearly enough explained for mere mortals like myself. And then my great for this episode is Annabeth's speech to Hephaestus when she's saying, you know, uh, Percy is different than the rest of us. He's better than that. And I want to be like that. I don't want to be like all of you. And Hephaestus says, you know, some of us don't like this fighting either. Um, so I just love that Annabeth is able to see that Percy is different. She's able to realize that the way that things have been overall is not the way that things need to continue. And that even a god like Hephaestus was able to change his mind. Reese, what is your GBG for this episode? Annabeth's joke at the amusement park. Wow. Annabeth. joke? I d- Maybe he finds them amusing Wait. joke? And Annabeth, I never <laughs> Wait, thought... what he- is the joke? Okay, and Percy says, why would Hephaestus build amusement parks? And Annabeth says... Why would he? Why would Hephaestus build amusement parks? And Annabeth says, maybe he finds them amusing. It's such a lame joke. <laughs> I never thought Annabeth could make jokes, but that is a really lame start of having to do it. Yeah, but she did. You're right. I, I totally missed out on that joke, buddy. What was your bad? Too dark if watching in daytime glare. What the heck? It's I'm like... How do I take care of this? Yeah, that was difficult to watch. I would agree if you watched it during daytime. And what's your great? My great? We finally meet some Olympians. Woohoo! We're yes! finally meeting some gods. So excited to meet some gods here. It is time, of course, to get into the show um, and to delve deep into it. Before we do, we want to thank our sponsor. Adventure Club is a monthly subscription of Dungeons and Dragons adventures built for beginners. It has amazing stories written and designed for kids, families, and anyone interested in starting a game of D&D. A new adventure arrives in your mailbox every single month. It has streamlined rules, amazing design, pre-built characters, and honestly lets anyone pick up the game and start telling stories today. Reese, why do you like D&D Adventure Club? It's so a good start for people who haven't played D&D yet and want to play. People who whose kids want to try. If they if kids say, wow, we want to try this game, but it's too hard for them, just subscribe to D&D Adventure Club and yep. they'll make sure your kid can learn D&D. And easily. we want you to learn how to play so much that we actually have a coupon code. If you go to D&D Adventure Club's website, use the code MARY20, that's M-A-R-Y-2-0 at checkout for 20% off. All right, it is time to dig into this episode a little bit. And buddy, you noticed something really cool right away uh, was that the opening title card where it says Percy Jackson and the Olympians, it was looking differently. Do it, you was remember? Not, it was not running blue, dark blue seawater. It was murky green. Yes. Like trash. Yes, or more like the water that he was pulled up in when he was being saved by the St. Louis uh-huh. from the St. Louis Arch, right? So that was a really neat thing. It was something different. It reminded me of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix when the sign comes out with the title and it's got kind of this like creepier music going on for the music for Harry Potter. So I just wanted to share with that as a, something that you noticed 
as you're watching it. And then uh, we shoot to Gro- Grover and Annabeth, and they see three little ladies with some balls of yarn. Please explain, Reese. Please explain. These they are-, are the Marai, known the- as the Fates. The Fates. Okay, so the three fates for us mere mortals. What are the three fates in like three sentences? I don't really know their names. Okay. But one is weaving the the beginning of the life of a mortal. The other is finding out how long it is. And the other cuts the thread of life and and kills the mortal. So if you see them and they're playing with scissors, it's not a good sign, right? Yeah, the the oldest one plays with the scissors. Annabeth tells him that when you see this, it means someone is going to die relatively <laughs> someone, quickly. Someone, someone's going to kick the bucket. Oh, that's not great. Well, Percy is found. Annabeth and Grover find him. He says, hi. And he says, I'm so sorry. I pushed you down the stairs. And Annabeth gives him a big hug. And Percy says, long and short, we need to go to Santa Monica because my father will meet us. There. Finally, Poseidon, we're going to meet Poseidon. Yes, yes, so exciting. Uh, but of course, they can no longer take a train as or they a crash bus. a train. They can no longer be in a bus. Obviously, they can't go on a plane. And they figure out that the police are searching for them. So <laughs> they have to they have to start walking. And as they're walking, they bump into Aries. And we, of course, got the, the bit that we played in the beginning of this episode and he says all of Zeus's kids are looking for the bolts. They're in this diner and he's starting fights on Twitter and he's doing all these naughty things. And he shows a clip of Gabe. And what is Gabe saying? Uh, um, I need to remember. So he's saying What's the gist of it. Where do you feel it? Like? Um, like Gabe is saying? abusing his stepson for treachery and crimes that person never did. He's saying he was a naughty kid, he stole my car, he stole my wife, he's blowing up trains, he's blowing up the St. Louis Arch, he's wretched, and Percy is now all over the news. So no matter where this kid goes, he needs to watch out. He's one of like America's most wanted. And Ares tells Annabeth and Percy that he will help them get further in their quest. Really? If they retrieve his shield. So that's where we get into the And good he part. says, but in the meantime, you need to leave Grover. You need to leave Grover <gasps> How with me. How dare you? Right? And Grover feels like, it is totally cool, man. We've got this. And I want to hang out for a moment in the conversation between Grover and Ares. Now, was this part in the book? Did Grover hang out with Ares as collateral? No, 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 no. No? Okay. So Grover's hanging out with Ares in this show. And what does he tell Ares? Uh, he says, I'm a fan of you. And Ares says, satyrs worship flowers. Satyrs eat tofu. Satyrs sing songs about the feeling satyrs are not fans of mine. And then Grover kids persuading, persuading him until he gets to the part of where he says, uh, if, if we found the master bolt, you found the thief who took the master bolt. And Ares gets all weird about that. Yeah. So Grover ends up telling Ares, you know, yeah, I love nature, but nature's chaos. I mean, here we are, buddy. We're here in the middle of winter, and a lot of people here in our country are dealing with incredibly cold, crazy weather. Like, absolutely, positively cold, crazy weather. And so Grover's saying, I love nature, and nature is full of chaos. You are the god of chaos. And he names these different little weird wars that barely anybody knows about and he says i liked these weird little wars and then he says i like your mellow war stuff as war mellow uh I, I'm, 
you know, I don't. I would agree. I would agree that war in general oh is not mellow. God. But by doing this, he is complimenting Ares and and hitting his heartstrings. And he hit his heartstrings. And one of Ares' heartstrings is that Athena is always thought of to be the smarter one, the, the better smart one. one. Ares says, "Okay, if she's so, so smart, explain the owl and why." And he says, "Just because I have no owl." No, me, no owl, not famous, huh? Huh? Yeah, so he doesn't understand why his sister gets all the credit. It's because she has an and owl. And Grover wisely, wisely knew that this would be a weakness of Aries, that he could rile him up and kind of make him feel like this is a way for you to be better than your sister. You can help us find the lightning thief. And that's, of course, kind of what brings us to the end of this episode where Grover says, it's okay, guys. I think I know what happened. I got a lot of cool things out of Aries in the process. One of the things that it gets out of Aries is a family story, which believe it or not, Reese, you tried to tell us this ancient tale all the way back in episode one about the origins of Kronos and all these different things. And I actually, I think it's more important than I thought it was in episode one, because now Aries is saying it. So buckle in, listeners, as Reese tells us the story of Kronos. So, so it all starts with Mother Earth, known as Gaia, and Father and, Sky, known as Uranus. Okay. So Mother Earth and the Sky God had babies. They had 15 babies together. And the, and the, and the Sky didn't really like six. He threw them away and, it, and, and chucked them into a bottomless pit. Yeah, I chucked him into the bottomless pit, and then his wife, Gaia, got really upset because those are our babies. What are you doing chucking our babies into a pit? So she says, okay, babies. You have, you have to kill your father. Let's kill your dad because he's crazy and he's chucking you in pits. And her tiniest, youngest baby, Kronos, does it. He kills his dad. And on his dad's deathbed, his dad says to him, You will be betrayed, my son. And like me, it will be made by your own child. Oh, no. Okay, so Kronos is told you're going to be betrayed by one of your old children, just like me. Kronos goes on, lives his life. He has six kids of his own. Oh, no, but then he remembers. Oh, man, my dad told me one of my kids is going to kill me. This is terrible. So he decides to, to solve the problem to eat his kids. Oh, he eats one. Yum, 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 eats two. <laughs> nibble, nibble, eats three. Chomp, chomp, eats four. Gobble, gobble, eats five. And then he's like, dear wife, please give me the sixth kid to eat. And instead, what did she do? Rhea gave him a rock wrapped up in baby cloth. I don't know why Cronus did not chew, but if he Maybe chewed, he just I think swallowed he lost it whole. Teeth. Yeah. Maybe he lost his teeth if he so, chewed it. So he thought he was eating baby number six, but it was really just a rock dressed in baby clothes and he didn't know. And, and the name of that baby was Zeus. And Zeus was whisked away to his island of Crete, raised by a goat. Okay, so Zeus, out of all the little babies, he lives. He's raised. He's totally okay. And then he gets strong. And he gets to and he gets, he gets a, a job. job as a cupbearer for the king, and he's and so he's his, his dad's cupbearer, and his dad has no idea that the guy filling up his cup every day is actually his son. And Zeus, oh, what did he put in his cup one day? He mustard, wine, wine um, mustard, wine, other herbs, and turd and turd. And in the process, Kronos. He vomits up. He vomits up. Who does he vomit up? Hestia, Demeter, Hades, Hera, Poseidon. Okay. Throws them all up. Zeus saves the day. Oh, no. Now Kronos is mad, right? 
Yippity dip. Angry they, Titan. So they all fight all the thrown up kids. Hang on, wait. Where Zeus. are where are the six other children in Tartarus, huh? Okay, so then yeah, so there's so that's what you need to know, at least this part, right? That's what Ares wanted to tell you. Is that his grandfather was crazy, ate all of his aunts and uncles, and Zeus made him throw them up. Right? And, and then, then he chucked into a millions pit. And he chucked him into a million pieces and chucked him into a bottomless pit. Yes. So then Zeus took care of Kronos, chucked him up, and threw him into a bottomless pit. As Annabeth and Percy realize in this episode, this family is messed up. This family is super messed up. Speaking about Annabeth and Percy, let's get to another crazy portion what? of this family. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. All right, friends. We're now in the Tunnel of Love. Sounds like your orthodontist office. Some of you may not even know what an orthodontist office is yet. They're the people who put on your braces. All right. Tell us the story of Hephaestus, Reese. And Aphrodite. And Aphrodite. Tell us so, everything. Hephaestus was the son of Zeus and Hera. Okay, Zeus and Hera. Zeus's wife, Hera. They have loads of babies, all right? But one um, Hera didn't like. Hephaestus, the Why god of fortune. Why did she like him? She said he was ugly. She, oh. So, so in the beginning, you got the pregnant mommy. She has a baby. She kicks the baby out. She did not like her son She Hephaestus. threw him off Olympus, like very at the tippity top of the mountain. She Throw. threw him off the mountain just because of the way he looked. So, and then he was, and then he was raised by himself doing blacksmith work. Okay, and so then he little met, Hephaestus is a baby. He grows up, learns a trade. And, his then, mom and then meets Aphrodite. Oh, and Aphrodite is technically, what, his sister? His aunt? No. Who? Uh, Not even a sibling. Not Okay, at least she's not a sibling because that would get super weird. So he finds Aphrodite, the most gorgeous goddess in the world, and he falls in love with Aphrodite. Does she love him back? No. What? Oh, this guy can't get a break. So what does Hephaestus do? He... Um, agrees a bargain with Hera because she's in this in this oh, throne. So he made that gold chair that we see, and he's like, "I'm gonna get my mom back because she threw me off a mountain." And I know how to get because of how I look. And no, and I know how to get Aphrodite. And I know how to get Aphrodite. So he takes the chair, and he says, "Here, mom, I gave you a nice chair. Take a little seat." She sits down. And Annabeth tells us, all the gods try to pry her from this chair, and she can't come free. And he says, the only way I'll let her go is if I let her out. I let her out. And how will I let her out? Um, by doing this whistle thing. Oh, no. If I get who? If, if I get to if marry... I get her if I get to marry Aphrodite. So he tricks the gods. He says, I will not let Hera, the wife of Zeus, free until I'm promised Aphrodite. No one could love me. My mother couldn't love me. The lady I love can't love me. What is love? I don't even know. And But then Ares comes to the picture and Aphrodite is like you think never existed. And at the end of that scene, Ares punches Hephaestus in the head. Ugh. So Aphrodite never really loved Hephaestus, but she had to marry him because, you know, of the Hera chair thing. But and instead, Ares came over, and she wanted to love him, and they would just hang on out and smooch or do whatever they would do. And at the and end poor of that scene, gets punched. And so this is why sad Hephaestus is just such a so sad guy. Oh, it's so sad. How What did you think, knowing that you knew the myth... What did you think of the animation while they were in the Tunnel of Love? How did that go for you? It was good. When they went down that slope, I was like, what the heck? And then they saw the, and then I saw the golden chair chain animation. How Percy just got, melt, got changed from flesh and blood and bone 
to like just solid gold. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just chains, but just transforming into gold doesn't really give me my. No, I think that. Well, I thought it was actually well done. So you're saying in the book it's chains, or or was it not clear in the book? Did you we say never, you were it, Um, no, in the myth it's chains, but the book never had this oh okay well i thought it was brilliant how it was done it was d- the cgi on this show i'll be real with you buddy oftentimes when there's a show and the target audience is of the younger variety the cgi the computer generated graphics aren't actually great and i will say in this show i am continually blown away with how well done it is the the chair was a great example as the gold was kind of encapsulating percy so incredibly beautifully well um and then percy turns into gold and out pops hephaestus who he appeared differently to you than how you thought he would be um he's got a cane he's a bit older he's got this cute little flute thing he kind of reminded me of Willy Wonka blows the blows the flute and Annabeth is able to get Percy free because she tells Hephaestus this family is messed up you guys are always fighting each other there's no true love amongst all of you and Percy this guy sitting right here was raised differently his mom prepped him for this he sees things differently I wish I was more like him. We need to set him free. And Hephaestus changes his mind. Hephaestus turns from being so callous because no one has loved him. And he sees that there is some hope. So he allows Percy and Annabeth to take the shield back as payment to Ares, which just blew my mind. I didn't know that it was going to work giving that back way. Ares, giving back Ares, his worst enemy, his shield back, I, I would say... To, you can you can get your kid out of there, but you're not getting the shield. Right? He might have changed his mind, but that's why I'm saying, like, what Annabeth said to Hephaestus it's was heart that melting. How, it was heart melting. How what a great word, especially because the gold somewhat melts away. It was definitely heartwarming and heartfelting. As Percy and Annabeth come back, uh, Grover is talking to Ares about the winter solstice, and Ares is con- he's just. He's just upset. He says, all the kids have to perform. Do you know anything about this? I hate all my kids. Yeah. He, he hates kids. Aries hates kids. But he says, everyone performs at the Winter Solstice. He absolutely hates it. And they then get inside. Um, Aries gives them a ride. He gives them a ride inside this big truck. What did the truck say? Kindness In- International. International. Human. Humane Zoo Transport. Okay, so Kindness International, Humane Zoo Transport. And Grover says, it smells. Can I please have a little paper towel? He is turned down. And Aries says, this truck is on its way to the Lotus uh, Casino Casino in Vegas. And you meet Where you're going to meet Hermes. And once again, Hermes is the god of... Travel, mm-hmm. thieves, mm-hmm. message, mm-hmm. luck. Mail, right? He had that package before. So he, he's the one that we saw who delivered and Medusa's head. And who's his actor? Oh, Lin-Manuel Miranda. Miranda. Right? Yeah. So good. And then after that, Hermes can get you to L.A. Um, It smells in there. (laughs) We're going to see what ends up happening. Loads of animals. Loads of animals. And we are on quite the amazing adventure. Well, Reese, I got to thank you so much for helping us understand the fates a little bit more and understanding Kronos and how deep this family gets is messed up. And then, of course, the myth with Hephaestus and how tragically sad poor little Hephaestus is. All right, it is time for listener feedback. In 
studio, we have uh, the one, the only, Felicity. Felicity, what is your good? My good is how Grover outsmarted Ares by telling him who the lightning thief is because sometimes um, a lot of people outsmart people in you don't a lot of these get episodes. God, right? And my bad is that I didn't pick your Hephaestus to look in, in this way because every single myth that I read in every single book, they say that he is like super duper like muscly and big and yeah. You know what he's more of in this episode? Because I appreciate, you know, we're in the we're in Camp Half-Blood and we saw those kids with the blacksmithing and everything. And you were telling me, oh, that definitely means they are Festus's kids. And even in the end, when they show all of the drawings of the different gods, we see Hephaestus hitting with the hammer. This Hephaestus, I agree with you, he's not super muscular like Ares was, but he was much more creative with all those gears. You know, people who build things, just because people build things doesn't mean that they have to be super big and strong like Ares, that people can build things with their intelligence as well, right? So that was your bad, is you didn't... You, this was a very different picture of Hephaestus than you thought. Hephaestus came out with gray hair, glasses, and a cane. And you're used to thinking of Hephaestus as a very strong, physically character. And what was your great for this episode? My great is what is love music? Because when I heard that, I was like shocked. And the animation, the animations of telling Hephaestus's story, because it was very different from the other myths. But uh, the la- the part that I know is that he got rejected by Aphrodite and Hera, and he got thrown from a big cliff, Aww. super tall in Greece. <laughs> so sad. So very sad. Well, thank you so much, Felicity, for your feedback. And I also wanted to... Shout out to some friends who have taken some time to write us a review on Apple Podcasts. We have CJ Slow, and they said, another wonderful show. I have been a longtime listener of Mary and Blake Media since I stumbled into the Potterverse during the time that must not be named, aka lockdown, and expanded to listening to all the other shows. Reese is doing an excellent job, and I am sure that he is making the podcast very relatable to the younger listeners with his excitement and very well-rounded knowledge of Greek mythology. Mary keeps the show moving along, the best part being that, having not read the books, she is going on the adventure with Reese as her guide. What an awesome approach. What do you have to say to that, buddy? Thank you, whoever did that. That was CJ Slow who wrote that in. We did get some listener feedback in email form. So friends, you can either go to Mary and Blake Mead, uh, sorry, maryandblake.com. That's maryandblake.com. Click on the upper right-hand corner to contact us and leave a voicemail. You can also email us, maryandblakemedia at gmail.com. Trista wrote in saying, I rather enjoyed the episode, but I didn't read the books. On the other hand, my husband has, and he was sad there was no spider. He did enjoy seeing Hephaestus and them showing he isn't as brutal as the other guys, given all that he has gone through and endured because of them. He also thought it was a sweet way to show their slow building relationship of Percy and Annabeth. Uh, Also got to show Grover's abilities as well. And I have heard that from some other people that in this 
uh, in this story, we don't necessarily get to understand and get to know Grover as much as we are in the show. So I'm really, really excited that they are giving Grover all of this time on screen as Grover, as I told you, is one of my favorite characters on the show. All right, my bud, it is time for the mere mortal theory of the what week. What about everyone else's voice messages? Believe it or not, nobody left us a voicemail this week. No! <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, I'm so, I'm kind of um, a little sad, sad, uh, and a little heart, and a little uh, hurt by it's that. It's okay, you know. If, it's okay. If half you, of our country is frozen, buddy. If, half of our country is frozen. If if you have, if you have, I don't understand if you have no power out, but I'm still feeling kind of hurt. But if you have, no, if you have no power out, I understand. It's okay, buddy. Next week, next week, let's get let's get a vo- voicemail, right? Maryandblake.com. Yep. Click the click the upper right hand corner. Contact us and leave your voicemail there. All right, are you ready now for my mere mortal theory of the week? Yep. Okay. <sighs> So, I already said in my last one that I think we're going to see Poseidon. I thought I was going to see him this episode. I didn't yet. But my mere mortal theory of the week is that since we're seeing Hermes, we're going to the Lotus Casino. My theory is that there's going to be singing and dancing next week. Episode six. I'm here for it. I want it to be like a mini musical. We're on Disney Plus. Let's let's just do it. Let's just go all out and make it like Hamilton, but Percy Jackson style. But actually, there at Lowe's Casino, there's <gasps> also this. Don't tell me. You can't tell me anything, man. Okay. It's my mirror mural theory of the week. You can't spoil it unless you're ready to make me a okay, demigod. <laughs> so you know what you can say. So whenever. We do a podcast, me and your dad, and I know the answer because I've read a book. So, like, for example, when we do Outlander cast about Outlander, when daddy says a theory, I just go, interesting. Very interesting. There you go. So each time I do a mere mortal theory of the week. Curious. Yes. Very curious. Perfect. Do that. That one's even better. Curious. Very curious. (laughs) All right. Let's close out the show. Thank you for everybody who listened to Harry Potter. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this episode of the Percy Jackson Prophecy. Now, sharing is caring when it comes to uh, doing a podcast. It's honestly the best way that people learn about it. So if you know other friends who've listened to, have been watching this series, have read the books, we would greatly appreciate it if you let them know about the Percy Jackson Prophecy with myself and Reese. And as Reese pointed out, he would love a voicemail, right? Yes, I would. I would like to, I would like to hear all your voices commenting on the how we did in the episodes. Or no, how episode six is. That'll be the next episode, yeah, I right? I like it. So after you watch episode six, head on over to Mary and Blake. Dot com And there you can click in the upper right-hand corner to contact us and leave a voicemail. Well, until next time, Half-Bloods, I am Mary Larson. And I am Reese. And hold fast and brave the storm. You're so dramatic. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye, Half-Bloods. Bye, Half-Bloods. I'll see you on the next adventure. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. 
Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.